Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Turns and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Reality TV Rehap-Ups for Episode 7 of Season 8 of The Amazing Race Canada. My name is Jessica Lease, and I'm here to break down everything that happened this this week. Um, we're going to get on two different trains arriving 15 minutes apart, and we're going to meet in the middle somehow and put it all together into one big puzzle. And with me, as always, of course, is Dan Heaton. Hello, Dan. Hello. Yes, I am here. Jess, we we had teams that um I don't know if you've heard of this before. It's um when they eliminate someone, like they leave and apparently they're not coming back. I don't, I don't get it. I don't believe it. I think they're going to come back again. I think this is the amazing race season that never ends. I believe they are still out there and they're <laughs> just like cycling in and out. You leave and you come back and you leave and you come back. Cassie and Jamik will come back and finish last three more times before the end of the season. They could do it. I believe in them. I think they could, it, it's, you know, it's the Cinderella story. They are going to be the comeback kids. If, if one more thing, if court and Allie finish last, then we will continue our trend now through eight episodes where only three teams have finished last. If you don't know, so this is, this is something really amazing. It's something pretty mind boggling. And honestly, I hope we someday get answers for some of this because it's what they're showing us is not enough, <laughs> but I am glad we finally did get, I think the double elimination was long overdue. To be honest, we needed to, we needed to start 
clearing the field a little bit to get us ready for the home stretch. Dan, there are only four episodes left. Can you believe that? It's crazy. I saw that because if you think about it now, we're down to seven. So we're going to go probably no more in eliminations, thankfully. We're going to go seven, six, five, and then, or there, I can do math. We have six, six five, teams. four. Yeah, so six, got, five, four. <laughs> yeah. So if I could do the math correctly here. Um, but yes, we, it's crazy to think about how we still have so much. But, you know, it is one of those things where I think, okay, I'm ready for this home stretch to see which teams really, really are. Yeah, now we have six. Sorry, the double eliminations are out. I was thinking eight minus one, but it's eight minus two. But yeah, now we're getting to the point where you're going to see it. No express passes left. I believe they had to use them this week from what I inferred. And we've got six teams. I think five are pretty strong. One is okay. <laughs> and I think um, we're going to see a real battle here at the end. That is one benefit where I feel like despite everything, we're kind of where, especially, and not to pick on Courtney it's only because they finished last twice, but especially the top five, are all the five that probably should be there anyway, despite all the craziness. I I think you're right, Dan. I think the I think the cream has risen to the top in this case. I think we might get at least one more non-elimination leg. Like I'm staring at this table on Wikipedia, and I think I think we get one more. I don't think the math works out if we don't. So we're gonna have one more episode where nothing happens. Oh, that's right. There's four episodes left. So you're mm-hmm. right because if we have well, it's like, yeah, we're at six now. So you go five, four, three. Well, I don't know. I guess it depends how they do it. I think you we know, get a fine. I think we get a final, final four. four. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's the key. Yeah. That's, that's my, that's my hunch. I don't have anything to go on. And honestly, trying to predict anything on this season is a total waste of time. So, you know, they could bring back every eliminated team next week and then eliminate half of them the following week. And I would not be at all surprised. Yeah, well, this is just interesting. We're not going to go too off on this, I guess, but the U.S. just announced their cast, and they're having no non-eliminations this year. I'm like, this is the opposite. What is going on? I I don't understand. I, I really, I, I'm going to be very interested to see how they're doing this, but this really feels like, I mean, I have a lot of strong feelings about the non-elimination, Dan. Like, we complain about it when we have it, but it is necessary. Yeah. And I think I've been clear on why it's necessary, because if you are trailing by a lot and everybody else is in front of you and you know you're getting eliminated, you need to have that little spark of hope. You you need to, from the racer's point of view, that non-elimination leg is very important because you don't ever give up. That drives you to finish like why, if you know you're getting eliminated, why don't you just like throw it down and walk straight to the bat? Because you might get non-eliminated. That's why. It's interesting. I mean, yeah. So I'm curious for you. I know we want to get into the episode. What did you think about last week? I have to ask you the three teams coming back. We kind of talked about that the week before, but how they did it with two returning and then them having to find the the bucket, <laughs> the well. And um, and then Dennis and Durrell kind of unceremoniously um, leaving. What did you think about all that? Well, Dan, I have to imagine that you invoked your favorite Amazing Race Canada challenge of all time um, when this came up, because I can't think of very many things that um, scream we ran out of money more clearly than mini golf. It really feels like, you know, I could rent a mini golf course like that's in my budget. Uh, 
and I think it's really second only to the trampoline park as far as like this could be anybody anywhere doing anything. This why is this on television? That was my question about that. And it really it felt like I guess they had to do something. And I I know they could only bring I it seemed like everybody was coming back. I don't know I don't know how that worked, by the way. I don't know how long they were away. Um were they just did they just decide oh jk you don't have covid um or was it like oh you had a very fast case of covid it ran its course and now you can go back out into the world all of it was very confusing to me and the challenge itself seemed i really wish they'd hidden the clues in different places that seemed really kind of unfair yeah like why couldn't they have each had a different clue like it reminds me of like supermarket sweep where they all like you know the one of them leads to the well and one of them leads to, you know, some other weird, weird, I can't think of any miniature golf devices, a windmill. That's a big one. They always have a miniature yeah, golf or something the, like the clown's that. mouth. Yeah. <laughs> they could do the nursery. Rhyme. Yeah. Cause then it really, I mean, I felt bad for Dennis and Darrell. I would have felt bad for any of the teams. Really. It wasn't just about them, but couldn't they have even made them play miniature golf? I think even that would have been better than just finding the clue, despite it being the new on ramp task, as they called it. Yeah, I I want to know, like, who had a lot of extra time during quarantine with, like, the Trans-Canada Highway Road Manual? They're just flipping through and, like, highlighting terms like, oh, this could be something. What what would we call this? Like, oh, what could an on-ramp be? What would we call it if we did this other thing? And I, I feel like we're running out of highway terms. You're really scraping the bottom of the barrel here. Like, just do what Australia does and just call it something descriptive. Yeah, it doesn't have to be a, a road, you know, an on-ramp, you know, because John even really, I mean, he sold it. He said, you know, this is something that has never happened before on the race. So I was like, yeah, um, that's probably good. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I know they had a lot of other factors and I'm not, I'm sure they had very big, I mean, they, you know, it was tough to figure out what to do, but it was more from a TV perspective, not from production perspective. I was like, okay, all right. But I was asking you about it. Everyone heard me talk last week. So. <laughs> yeah, I, I like your idea. They should have played mini golf. Like, I feel like maybe they play mini golf to unlock a certain number of clues to find the location. Or maybe I'm getting a little bit too in the weeds here, but it seemed a little bit a little bit blind luck and a little bit. I'm going to tell the team I like better where the clue is. And you know how we feel about teams just straight up sharing the answers with each other, which is something I imagine we're going to get into a little bit this week as well. Um, and finally, my thought about last week's episode is that I love Marshall's Dan. I just want to go shopping all the time. <laughs> I'm going to spend all of my money in Marshall's and it's just such a great place to shop. I, I really feel like I have learned a lot about the Marshall's experience from watching this program. Yeah, it was it was great. The, a task that had no bearing on the race at all, except for showing us Marshalls. And hey, we had another example of a team that has now gotten two gift week. Not to jump ahead too much, but some of these teams again, some of these teams are breaking in the Marshalls money. That's all I have to say. <laughs> you know what? Next time in Toronto, I'm going to that Marshalls. <laughs> Take a picture that I'll try to find clothes that that are less than two hundred dollars. I don't think it'll be that hard. Yeah, I, I think I think it is hard to find clothes that are more than two hundred dollars in Marshalls. Uh, get myself a pair of leopard print leggings and a acid wash denim crop top. 
<laughs> and that pillow that guy in the commercial always likes. Yeah, the I pillow that, that matches the chair. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> you know, the one thing they missed out on is this is the Marshall's ads are the only ones that John Montgomery is not in. Yeah, it's just like, why couldn't John put on that skirt? I shouldn't call it a skirt, you know, or whatever you want to call it. That's really breezy. Or couldn't he get excited about the pillow? Why couldn't that happen? I could see John Montgomery getting super excited about a pillow. <laughs> oh, boy. Every week, it's just I can't we can't help it. We just get off on the tangent. I mean, I mean, we're t- really, though, it's not a tangent because it's part of the show. Yeah. If they don't want us to go on tangents about it, don't put it in the show <laughs> every week. Every week. And I know that um, what we do here, Dan, is directly for the producers of Amazing Race Canada. <laughs> we everything we do is is for them. And they're the only people that listen to this, clearly. Of course. So should we talk about the episode, Jess? Are we ready? Yes, please. Let's talk about the episode. <laughs> well, I will start us. We um, are going to. Well, Belleville. Prince Edward County, Ontario, but a lot of the tasks seem to be in Picton, so it seems like we're kind of, it's all in the same general vicinity. But first we go, teams travel to um, two different, to the Guru Board, two different buses, each 15 minutes apart, to then go to Toronto, we're back in Toronto again, to find someone wearing a hat, two different people. And I, I did enjoy that they tried to ask some random person wearing a hat, which did not happen. And then again, 15 minutes apart for trains. So um, was this invigorating TV, all of this? Well, Dan, I will say that wandering around approaching random people wearing red hats is yet another task that we would never do in the U.S. No, no, no. <laughs> Maybe with the Cardinal hats in St. Louis, but no, nothing else. <laughs> nothing no. else. <laughs> That was the only thing I I was thinking of the whole time. Um, Yeah, this was a little bit. They didn't even put him in a costume. Like the last time you had to look for people, random people on the street was in Amazing Race US last season. At least they had somebody like dressed as a phone booth, you know, or Or even yeah, (laughs) vending machine. We had people this this season dressed as billboards. Like, couldn't we get marshals to pony up for that? Like, get somebody. They have another marshals test. Like, get somebody wearing a giant marshals bag as a shirt. I feel like that's more interesting, but no, it's you know just a random blank hat. Okay. One thing that was interesting. I recently watched season seven of the U S where they had to dig up times in the sand, which I know is pretty common, but the big thing about that was once you get your time, you're done. And teams of course weren't paying attention or whatever here. They were able to give their times back, which I found interesting because then, um, I mean, it's only two times. It's not that complicated. But then you could kind of risk it or you ask around. It made it a little more chaotic than it might have been. Yeah, I thought that was interesting because you could also just bleed a lot of time trying to find a better time. That seems and with, with only two people, like what are the odds that you're going to immediately stumble upon the other person? And what I didn't understand was, was each person like, was there one person who was the designated 617 tickets and the other person was the designated 632 tickets or do you risk turning back your 632 ticket running around finding the other person and having them also hand you a 632 ticket i fit to me it looked like that um one person had the 617 and once it also was interesting that everyone that was on the first bus seemed to stumble upon the 632 person and everyone in the second bus seemed to stumble except for fernell ended up switching but 
some on the 617. Now, it could be they ran around for a half hour, and we don't know. It was just very weird that. And I'm like, hmm, did they drop them the opposite way? I don't know. It was just interesting how it kind of lined up that way. Yeah, it, and we didn't get enough information to know one way or the other how that was going to shake out. But I feel like being allowed to give them back, I think you needed either more you needed more different variables for that to be interesting. Like, I think you needed at least three different times in the mix. And then it's like, oh, I got the middle one. Do I give it back and like try to go for door number three? Like put a little Monty Hall on it, you know? Yeah, that's the thing. It was more. And the weird thing is they they spread out by 15 minutes, like I said. And then they again are spreading out by 15 minutes on trains. Um, I don't know. It's it's a lot to get the um, teams 15 minutes apart. Yeah. And especially since, Dan, there were not two trains leaving 15 minutes apart going to Belleville, Ontario, population 50,000. Like, this is shenanigans. <laughs> This was everybody got on the same train and then half of them had to sit around waiting until the production told them they could go. This was, there was there were not two there was not two trains. These were the same tickets for everybody. And ultimately it was fairly meaningless. Yeah, it's um are you saying those were not official tickets they received from the person with the red hat? These were not official Canadian railway <laughs> tickets. They had Amazing Race logos on them. <laughs> I didn't even think about that. I was like, oh, they got tickets. Great. Let's move on. <laughs> Shows how exciting it was. I mean, I think we've given it more consideration than possibly there was for the show. Possibly. Um, I also spent a lot of time pondering, did you know Guru comes in mango flavor? This there is were news. a lot of different flavors of Guru at this last one. You saw a lot of people drinking it, too. I don't know. It's like before you would see. Like when I got the guru, it was just regular or light and they were both grapeish, but <laughs> grapeish because it didn't say grape on it. But it was like, you know, cough organic, syrup. It was like organic grape leaf extract was one of the ingredients. That's how I kind of figured it out. Um, a lot of organic leaf on every ingredient. But um, I did not know about the mango. Not to, to skip your question. I just was impressed by the variety of different guru flavors at that board. People were pumped. I saw people just. Loving it. All right. First of all, the natural food industry needs to stop pretending that the leaf of something tastes as good as the fruit of something. That's not okay. And second of all, it, I wouldn't put it past Canada to have like a million great flavors. And then down here in the States, the flavors are regular and light. That would <laughs> be about par for the course. They're like, well, we're not sure how many people are going to go to Whole Foods and buy this. So. Let's just do the basics. <laughs> you know, that, that's it. And, you know, they were on sale when I got them. So I started to wonder if they're not hitting. Like, I don't know if Amazing Race Canada is making enough of a dent. Now, if they just let us all watch it on CTV without a VPN or something. Sorry. Tangent. Yeah. So let's focus I, there. <laughs> I'm 100% Team Dan on this one. <laughs> but, you know, like most people on Team Dan, it's a losing proposition. <laughs> I was feeling so good. I had they came back last week and for a brief moment, Jess, I had all five teams and we're on ep all five teams on episode six. I was like, this is this is incredible. This is a I love this season. And now at the end of episode seven, I have two, mm -hmm. two teams. But I this also was Chantel Chantel's prediction last week. 
I think I got two of the final three, Jess. I think I do. I'm feeling Team Fernella. I think they've they're in good shape. And Catherine and Craig. I can see I can see it. I can see the end. Yeah, but you made a very good point, Dan, that of these six teams that are left, I think five of them have plausible stories that I could see in a final three. I I think we could make the case like there's no clear final three to me. I think any of these teams could plausibly wind up there. I could even make a court and alley case because there's always that one team that has no story whatsoever and winds up in third place. And you're like, oh, you're the Robin Ryan of your season or you're the um, professional wrestling math teachers of your season. Nick um, and Matt. Nick and Matt. Thank you. <laughs> I forgot about Robin Ryan completely, though. That tells you something. Yeah, I, I I can't believe I remember Rob and Ryan, but I don't remember Nick and Matt. But um, yeah, go ahead. So that's I I think you could you could say Court and Alley have some Nick and Matt upside. If indeed you can call that an upside. So honestly, I could see it, Dan. I could see your two teams making it. I think Fresnella have a very strong case. They are the surprise team. They're kind of the surprise stars of the the race. I think they're the ones that you want to be rooting for the whole time. And Catherine and Craig, of course, delightful humans. And if we want to break the fourth wall for a second, I could predict a win just based on their social media engagement, because I, I'm going to say I've been doing Amazing Race. Can I've been doing Amazing Race Canada and U.S. podcasting for a number of years now. And it's always one of the teams that takes a keen interest in what's being said about them on podcasts that ends up winning the whole thing. Like, I think. Several episodes into last season of U.S., the team that ended up winning the whole thing was very engaged in our HAP doings. And it's not just because we were great podcasting. It's because they were very invested in making sure that, you know, we were saying nice things because they were going to get the million dollars. I don't actually know what the motivation is, but I think if you win, you are more apt to be following the coverage very closely. That's all I'm saying. And yeah, not, or maybe it's just that Catherine and Craig love us, which we love you too. We made, the, you know, we just there. We do great job on the podcast. We do great job. That that's the great podcast. <laughs> you know. We do great job. Yes, <laughs> that's the quote. You know, the out of context yeah. quote right there. Okay, so let's go on to the roadblock here. So, who wants to go house hunting? Who wants to do this? Um, I don't know if anybody strictly wants to do this. This was not an exciting task. Uh, and yeah, I get it. We are. There was nothing in this episode, Dan. I really struggled. Almost nothing. I think maybe the school for the deaf is the one thing that really felt like it was tied to the area in a way that made you feel connected to where they were. And the rest of it, it's like these birdhouses could be literally anywhere. I didn't feel. I didn't feel like I learned anything this week. Yeah. The biggest thing about this episode was really kind of what we already referred to. I mean, actually um, it, it came up one with the trains with Courtney helping Fernella and then Courtney, you know, helping Catherine and Craig last week, the Alliance that was brought up in like episode two is really coming to fruition here. And those three teams ended up on the first train. So then those three teams got here first and Fernella was first and did a lot of the work we saw really, um, well, I guess it wasn't Fronella. It was just Nella doing the work. It yes. was a roadblock. But Nella working with Catherine and Allie. And those three really just um, worked together, the alliance. And then, of course, we had the case where Beverly came running in. And um, Catherine did not want to work with her. And that's going to 
you know, come up again later. But what do you think about this with the alliance really coming to the forefront and then this task being set up where you can work together because everyone had the same setup? And we've seen teams work together before, like with the fly fishing, for example. But here with all the kind of you have your answers covered and everything, the teams just basically took it and, and rolled into the front of the pack. I mean, honestly, it would not have been hard to give everybody a different board with this thing. I, I'm kind of disappointed that they didn't. Uh, but I guess it did make for some good drama. And I don't know, Dan, I'm really having mixed feelings about this whole alliance, non-alliance thing, because, you know, we have people that get very salty about it. Um, like, you know, going back to Amazing Race US again, I'm talking about the Mine 5 and how they just kind of ran roughshod over the other teams and it, and it to the point where it became less fun to watch. Uh, I think this is a case where I don't think anybody's coming out looking good from anything to do with this alliance. So I can't even tell if this is going to end up paying off in the end for anybody. Uh, but on the other hand, it's like the race wants to punish you. If you ask for help and get shot down, like they seem to not care if you ask someone for help and they help you, that seems to get kind of a neutral edit, but man, ask somebody for help and have them tell you no. And it seems like, you are the villain of the season. Am I right about this? It's kind of strange because we've seen, and we talked about this a little bit last week with Beverly and Veronica, who Craig unfortunately called Vanessa and not to be good Craig. It was just <laughs> a unfortunate time to do that given the tension that was going on. But, but in general, I found that more just kind of a, a funny moment at the time, but basically just um, with them where they've had so much of this, they've been at the center of everything we've seen where they, they wanted to get help from Fernella on the bikes. And then we're trying to get help from last from Cedric and Deshaun, And then now trying to get help. And of course, you know, then later with the past and everything else, like the drama is all centered. And I, I'd say centered around them, not meaning they're creating all of it. What I mean is the other teams and them and everything. It's still not entirely clear to me. I, I think, a lot of it may just be, again, because they're strong and good racers. But then there's also a case where they the show. I bet you there are more times when teams are asking each other for help and they don't give it. But the show has made a point to show every single time. And he even got a flashback this week. So I'm just like, hmm, what is going on here? This that this interests me as much as the alliance, because I feel like the show is really setting up the Fernella as one end and then Buffalo Veronica plus the Alliance versus the other teams that aren't in the Alliance. Like we saw Cedric and Deshaun kind of a little frustrated. There's an interesting, like the show seems to like the fact that there's drama and not as much making a point about whether or not there's an Alliance or not and whether that's good or not. Yeah. And I think I can never tell when teams are such a magnet for drama like this. I can never tell if we're seeing everything. Like maybe there's something else going on there that the show has just chosen to gloss over, which, you know, that's happened in the past as well. It's like all of a sudden, all of the other teams dislike this team for reasons that we're never entirely given. And then later on, we find out they did something terrible. Not that I'm saying Beverly and Veronica did something terrible, but I'm saying maybe there's a piece of this that we don't know. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. Judy. <laughs> 
The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Also, the thing that puzzles me is that they're not... And Okay, this is... I'm trying to think of a diplomatic way to put this because, you know, these teams are all great. I love them all. Like, as humans, I'm sure they're great humans. Beverly and Veronica, not that good. Not that much of a threat. Not front-running team. I would not put them in the, like, top tier. I would say if they went out next week, I wouldn't be surprised. They have been, like, their placements, they started out very strong, but they've really started to slip. Second, third, third. Okay, great. And then in the next four legs, sixth, fourth, fourth, fifth, they're not even looking at the podium. So I, I feel like this seems like kind of a cop out to say that they are a strong team of, you know, unbelievable sprinters who are going to destroy us all if we don't stop them. I think this felt much more personal. Yes, that's the thing that I, that's so puzzling me, because, again, we're watching a TV show. We're seeing a very small amount of it. So you can easily just judge and say, well, you know, the show, even with the weird moment at the mat at the end with her saying, yay for us. And John's like, "Okay, stop, come back in, which rarely we don't see moments like that either. (laughs) And it's just kind of like, you know, but they even made the point where they said, we're not doing very well. (laughs) We're struggling. Why are you saying that? Where if you're going to look outside the alliance, because I think the alliance has decided they that those three going to work together they're all good with being the final three but the two teams that have been destroying everyone besides the alliance are brendan and connor and jesse and marika those are the teams that have won the other legs besides Frenella and Catherine and craig won a leg but those teams seem like they're everyone's okay because no one tried to take a shot at them on the pass everyone decided or at least those teams decided that so but it just ends up being more confusing because it's like the show is presenting a certain narrative, but I'm like, but I feel like I'm missing just one important piece of this for it to make sense. Yeah, it is. It is certainly it is confusing. Um, and I maybe we don't ever get an answer, but I think we'd be getting the story a little bit differently if this was a triumphant Beverly and Veronica finishing strong season, because I feel like they would be portrayed a lot more sympathetically. Like as it is right now, we just see them perpetually asking for help and getting and getting the cold shoulder. And I think it would be 
it, it doesn't reflect well on them. They seem kind of, they, they come off a little whiny and then everybody else is sort of unduly, you know, piling on them. Yeah, it's, it's strange, but I guess we could talk now about the pass or the double pass. So I've heard both references. I guess it's kind of both, but so we get to the brewery here where John is very excited to print, sorry, Prince Eddie's brewery company. John is very excited to present the pass, which is basically kind of like the yield. The one difference is it's not really a time unless I guess you're last, but in general, you pick a team, they have to wait for the next team to show up. And then they, in theory, would get to pick a team then to do it afterwards. But um, Fernella smartly having seen teams do it before smartly burn the board with court and Allie arriving. So it ends up just being Beverly and Veronica, but overall the pass or the double pass. Um, what do you think? Now, Dan, I need a fact check on this. So if you can't fact check it for me, I want someone out there in listener land to, to at me and strongly correct me. I feel like burning the board has become something that you're not allowed to do on amazing race us. Hmm. I'm not sure. In 32, they did it because I remember the volleyball guys doing yes. it. Yes, in 32, they did it. I don't know about 33. I, I don't, don't think they did it in 33. So I I don't remember an instance of, well, I don't think there were. Was, there was no U-turns in 33, though, was maybe there? Maybe not. So we don't know. Huh. Yeah, I'm not sure. Maybe maybe they made some decision, but um, my brain just is like, somehow keeps glossing over 33 and I don't know why that is um, beyond what we talked about in terms of teams leaving, coming back. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's been a while. Yeah. There were no U-turns in 33, so we don't know about burning the board. I, then it definitely happened in 32 and people complained about it a lot. So who knows? Like maybe they've just ruined the U-turn forever, but instead we have the pass here and I don't know. I don't know if I like this any better or worse than the U-turn. I think it's basically, it's a yield and yields are dumb. Um, this really, there's not much you can do with this kind of televisioning because people are just sitting around stewing in their own impotent rage. And there's not, there's not really any chance to come back from it, except we're going to run really hard. So yeah, I, and the past, this is the worst name we've had for an amazing race <laughs> thing ever. I I kind of don't like it at all, actually. I think I think it's like, well, the U-turn. At least we get to watch them do something, and the mm-hmm. team's like, okay, the te- you know the team's like with this one, press it or push it. Is that right? Yeah, okay. Uh, <laughs> I just read my notes. I was like, I don't remember that at all. I mean, I don't know how exciting would have been. Like, okay, so they, Beverly and Veronica, they go do the bath bombs, and then they go do the printing press. Probably not thrilling TV to see that, but at least in a way, um, I mean, in that sense, though, it probably would have made them more likely to get eliminated. So the pass, in a sense, kind of like the yield, it's annoying to them, but it didn't end up playing a huge role. I mean, because they did have a time to come back. If they had to do both sides of it, yeah, they might have survived, though, because they were really good in the final task. But still, I feel like it's like the yield is terrible. U-turn is okay. And this is like between the two, but more like the yield. So I guess my question then is, where does the double one-way figure in on this? My gosh, I don't even... (laughs) This this was Amazing Race. I I had glossed it over as well, but Amazing Race Canada 7 
gave you the opportunity to force a team to do one half of a detour. Oh, I forgot about that. Oh my gosh. This is, this is what happens when we wait three years. Seasons. <laughs> how yeah. it goes. But yes, I still, I feel like this week, I mean, you could have made them do either one and it would have been like, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> it really, yeah. The printing press looked really easy. Mm-hmm. Like that was the one to do this week. Really? Um, I mean, at least from what we saw, maybe the teams that did it just had an affinity for printing, but in general, I feel like neither of these, unless, I mean, unless it was Jameek, um, we're, we're not going to do, we're going to do fine with it, but I like that more than this because again, you're making them do something rather than, like you said, just stand around and get annoyed. And when you're the only team that, cause the family Veronica were not confused. They understood what had happened there. It wasn't like, Oh, we're going to wait till, I mean, it makes sense because if Fresnel gets you and then the team behind you, of course, you know, you're the only team. So that even I think was more frustrating. Um, I mean, in a sense, though, if the show allows teams to burn the board and creates this kind of weird thing, it is something teams should use. So I don't begrudge the teams for doing it that way if they really wanted them out. But again, for TV's sake, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I begrudge production for coming up with something that in its very first appearance, a team is able to break it like that should not happen. Any new twist you introduce should blindside everybody at least once. And this didn't. So I I would be surprised if we if we saw the pass again. I think I think we're going to give the pass a pass. (laughs) Fernella, though, I give them credit. If a team this season is going to break a task. break something they do it's going to be them because again like they even mentioned this week they're not running super speed they're kind of just taking their taking their time sounds like they're just like going slowly but they tend to think through these and have a different way to do it than i think what the show expects in a lot of cases though here the show should have anticipated this was going to happen yeah i mean it's not different enough from other things we've seen um but yeah Fernella, very very smart team like they are going to find ways to outthink the other racers, I think. Yeah, and I should also mention Brendan and Connor here with what they chose. We haven't really talked much about press it. Press it is basically you put the letters from a printing press, you put them in reverse, and you write out a phrase. But Brendan and Connor specifically said, everyone's going to go do the bath bombs. It wasn't even about the one they chose. We're going to do something else. They've done this a few times now where they tend to go, like we saw when they did the airplane last week, they tend to go to the thing that the teams aren't going to really want to do. And it seems like because they figure they are confident enough where they're like, we're going to be able to figure it out. We're fine. And typically they, they gain time on other teams and with kind of guys who, you know, make hockey references and are a little goofy or whatever this week. It was the hockey references were not as high this week in general, though. I think I heard one pocket reference, but overall they're, better than just guys who can run fast and are pretty strong. Like they, they've thought through it and I've given, I really noticed this week how they seem, there's a reason they haven't finished lower than fourth yet. And it's not just because they're strong. They had a really low profile week this week. And I think part of that is because it wasn't one of their better weeks, but you do raise a good point, Dan, that they, they are self-aware enough that uh, they can they know when to zag when everybody else zigs and it pays off. And we've seen this happen so many times on the show. I think it's testament to them being aware of the show as well and knowing that sometimes 
taking that risk will pay off in a big way. And I think there's times when you don't want to mess with that. Obviously we've seen ones where like one of the detour halves is a quarter mile away from the other one. And you don't want to risk like having that extra time at the end of it. Um, Or there's one, you know, the ones where it really obviously does not seem like something that anybody, any human is going to be able to do. Uh, I think specifically there was one, I think season 25 in when they were in Malta and one of the, one of the detour halves was to run up a greased pole. (laughs) It's like, nobody's going to do that. Like impossible. Just go do the other one because (laughs) like even the, even the locals can't do that one. So, but honestly, yeah, neither one of these tasks seemed terribly taxing. I think both of them, you could get through them pretty quickly. And it's really a question of everybody's doing the one that sounds slightly more fun. So you might as well just go do the boring one. I think Linda Holmes used to call those salad and dessert tasks. And she had a couple of different like detour dichotomies. It was like tortoise and hare was one of them. and um, But salad and dessert, I think, is what describes this. Well, yeah, because we saw the same thing last week where the motion capture seemed or, you know, virtual Monty seemed more fun, but it took longer. Even people that weren't very good, like Beverly Veronica at the plane at Aviate, were all faster for the most part, except for Fernella. So really, it's like we've seen that a few times where it's kind of like this looks boring. This looks fun. I mean, it was fun for the people sitting in the bathtub, not having to do anything except for (laughs) except for talk. (laughs) I mean, it was really fun for Craig again. (laughs) I feel like Craig is really in his element, sitting in a bathtub, making fun of everybody. (laughs) Yes. And uh, I mean, really, it was just unfortunate, mostly. I mean, I think everyone did pretty similar on that, except for it seemed like Jameek struggled more. He was struggling with five eighths cup and everything. And they weren't that far behind, but that little bit put them behind. But in general, the detour really, you know, it, it put some teams ahead of behind. It really made a good difference for Jesse and Marika, who seemed to be, who last week seemed kind of lost and then used their express pass and seemed to be struggling. And this week was like, oh, they're taking this serious. Like um, Chantel described this as teams like hustling more. And we really saw them hustling where they like just blew through the course this week. Yeah, I'll have one more thing that I might factor into my decision on a detour. If a detour requires me to undress and dress, that is extra time at the end of the detour that I have to then put myself back together. So I don't know if they knew about that part of it when they went to do it. But if I knew I was going to have to put on my swimsuit and sit in a tub while the task was going on and then dry off and put my clothes back on, I might not do that one. It's a great point, especially given that most of these like, you know, they're in a town where everything seems fairly close together and people or teams are not arriving that far apart. So in a, in a leg where you're doing like that goes on for five hours or whatever, I mean, they don't have those as much the season. I mean, if you not counting the, the initial drive, I'm talking about the actual meat of the leg. Um, essentially the amount of time to do that 10, 15 minutes might be the difference in a way, or at least close to the difference in whether, especially with a double elimination, whether you finish fourth or fifth or, you know, seventh or eighth or whatnot. Yeah. Like keep all your stuff together. Even like, you know, where do you keep your backpack while you're doing the task? It's like all that little stuff. I have to think back to uh, Amazing Race Canada 
season one, uh, Brett and Holly uh, had this strategy where every time they asked somebody for directions, they made them sign the release the second they started talking to them. So they didn't have to go through it at the end. And they said that all of that ended up adding up to a lot of time saved. I think you have to think about all of those other little pieces of it that don't necessarily fit into the task itself. Now, that's a great point. Yeah. And um, one thing I want to mention about Jamie too, there was a funny moment where Cassie was like, be precise. And at the exact <laughs> moment he had like a cup and he dropped it. And yes. I'm like, this feels familiar. Cause whenever I'm at home and I think, okay, don't, don't, don't tip that water. Don't walk into that. It always becomes comically much worse. So I, I feel for Jamie there because um, yeah, that would be me. Yeah. I think it would be me as well. And I did they give them the right measuring cups or did they really I don't think so. It looked like they really did have to eyeball it. I think that was the trick to the task, really, was like because if they gave them I mean, I guess five eighths isn't that common, but I don't think they even gave them like a half a cup or something. I think they gave them the full cup and said do five eighths is what it looked like. Yeah. Yeah. Or I maybe it was one of those one of those puzzles where you have like a one cup and a three cup and you have to make four cups. It's it's like Die Hard with the Vengeance, where they have to like dump the thing <laughs> they have to dump all, and I still like I still don't understand how that worked. I don't know. It's really making an old movie reference here. I mean, pretty old for a lot of people. <laughs> um, all right. Well, should we continue to what I thought was you know probably like you said the standout task of the week, which um is to go to the school for the deaf and um you have to sign the name of the school's first deaf professor. And then your teammate then has to understand it. I like this one because there's two elements. You have to have someone learning and someone also being able to understand it. The teams have to work together. And it also was hard enough where you saw teams that were good at it could jump ahead. And then it really played a role where the last three teams, it played a role in who could get out of there quicker. Yeah, it also felt like this was something that you could probably, I think more people than not have some passing familiarity with this. And so it wasn't something that was going to be completely alien to everybody. And I think that like you heard Jesse and Marika saying that was something they actually practiced with each other, which was kind of wild. Um, but yeah, it was very, it gave everybody like each team member had a different role to play, which was, which was fun. So you also, I think maybe, some teams succeeded where others did not succeed as well, just based on who picked what, like who is, you know, who is giving the clues and who is receiving the clues if they were playing $10,000 pyramid, right? Yeah, it was very big because you saw it where I know Allie was really struggling because Court and Allie, they may not, they really, I don't think were any better than the final two teams at it, but they got there much earlier. So then they were able to work through it. But there was a funny case where she was trying so hard and you could tell that she was I did enjoy the moment when she said she was struggling to like it calm. And then they played the birds in the background as a callback to last <laughs> yes. week, which I enjoyed. But and then the funny thing was he was like, OK, we got to go. People are getting here. And then she gets it exactly right. And then he didn't have it right. So he had to go back and learn like, oh, you got to do both sides. Was it court that could not spell Samuel? Uh, no, that was. I think that was one where there was one. I don't know if it was him or if it was Cedric and Deshaun. I think it was Cedric and Deshaun where Cedric was not completely doing the signing right. One of them had it where, yeah, then you looked at the board and it was like, yeah, I think it was because the signing, what they couldn't read it. But Samuel was spelled um, very strangely, I yeah. will say. S-A-E-G-M. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, not correct. Not correct. Anyway, I, I feel like once someone spells like S-A-M-U, I'm going to know what the next two letters are, but I guess you do have to see it all the way through. There were a lot of E's, too. So yeah. if somebody could master the E in that, especially in the last one, then you're you're golden, basically. Yeah. And I, well, and I think that's part of the trick is then, like, how do you separate double letters while you're signing those letters? So that could probably trick people up, too. Yeah. And we also had a case where um, Catherine and Craig were very good at it. Craig mentioned, you know, to Court, who with the time looked very confused that um, not while he was talking, but at the task. But Craig was talking about it Broadway. They would they would do special shows. Just um, so they had to learn sign language for that. And then Beverly talked about how she had learned sign language of Greg's five and six. And those teams uh, both very good. But we should also mention two teams didn't do this because even though the show didn't make a big deal about it. But I did hear one point. Brandon DeConnor said we have to use it this time. But that both Vernella and Brendan O'Connor both use their express pass on the last task, which is the way you want to do it. You don't want to use it too early if you have to. And we're able to then just kind of stroll in in second and fourth. So not as many teams had to do this actually by the end. Yeah, that's true. And I think it's worth noting that express passes expired at the end of this leg, which is why we saw them kind of waste them on a task that did not seem objectively that hard. Right. Yeah, that's correct. Because, um, it, you know, they wouldn't have both done it, but both of them were like, we're going to use it this leg. And I think what the show cut out more is they didn't really say clearly. Normally, it'll be like, this expires right now. We have to use it. some reason. <laughs> the show wasn't as clear as I think they should have been where they should have said it. And then we wouldn't have been like, wait, why are they both using it? But it made total sense. They get to the last task. It's like, why not? Why, um, why mess with anything that even if you probably, I don't think either team would have been eliminated, but it made sense to use it because then you just take the, you know, take it out of the equation. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think this is, this is how to do it. Like, you don't want to just like take it home as a souvenir. If you got an express pass, you got to use it. No question. Uh, Dan, I remembered something I wanted to bring up with you and I'm sure you made a meal out of this last week. Um, I wanted to bring up Jesse being the calmest person in the meditation task and Marika saying, oh, yeah, Jesse's got this one in the bag. <laughs> it's like, yes, I'm extremely calm. And I thought Dan is going to have a field day with that. I think my favorite thing is when he says, let's go. <laughs> my favorite thing ever, because he does it. He did this time where it's like it's totally legit. He's like, let's go, which for him is like energetic as anything. But to most people, sounds like they're just like, oh, let's go. But and, you know, when they do well, I, I, I enjoy them as a team a lot and they balance each other out really well. But, yeah, he was uh, he was as Zen or as, you know, with it as anybody. He had a lot of birds. That was not, some of the other teams were getting a lot of thunder, I will say. Yeah. I mean, if I had to do that, I'd probably still be getting thunder. But, <laughs> so I, I'm impressed by his like instant birds. <laughs> Yes, he found his task. This is that's where he could have five hold is on that one. If you <laughs> <laughs> Not the cross country skiing. It was on that. Yes. P.S. Dan, I think I will I will be able to retire from Amazing Race podcasting the second somebody actually uses the term five hole on the air. I feel like my work would be done. Like It'll achieve Nirvana. Yeah. You know. Teams, let's do it. Come on. Future teams that are going to be running this race some point. Do this for us and then wink at the camera and say that one's for you. Yeah. And, then and, we'll be good. and editors leave it in. Yes. 
<laughs> so, Dan, I want to get to some questions, but uh, we need to take a little break and hear from our sponsor, and then we'll come back and hear from the listeners. And we're back. So it looks like we got a lot of questions this week, Dan. Where do you want to start? Well, um, let me take a look because we've talked with these already. And, you know, like we had a question about who wasted their express pass from Josh Creek. But I think, again, that goes to the idea that teams did not actually waste it because they were going to lose it anyway. But, um, so here's, we got a few questions about this in terms of the Lions and the birdhouse one, which we talked about, but people did not seem to enjoy the fact that the three teams were able to work it together. We had Brian Halpin who said, who referenced the cherry trees and what happened there, though. I'm not entirely clear if teams weren't allowed to work together. They just weren't allowed to look at their boards. But then we also had Nadine Anderson who brought this up, said, did they not learn from Amazing Race 32 about called it very lazy task design that allows the teams to do this? So I guess I'll pose this to you, Jess, because we also had a question about the alliance also from Nadine Anderson. Um, do you think this was lazy task design um, for that part of it? Or was the task itself just kind of that way? I think that. I think it was lazy task design. I think they could have done this in a way that teams weren't working together, but also it's the same thing. They don't make a rule out of this. It's not. And we've talked about this in terms of like when they had to count the goats, it was kind of the same thing. Like they could have made that task so that you all had to count the same number of goats, but they didn't on purpose. And I think sometimes they want to, they don't want you to know exactly what the rubric is until you get there, until you're doing the task. So some of them, you can do that, but you can't count on it. So if it was just that you could never do it, you might not get complacent and they like it when teams get complacent and then it screws them. Um, so same thing with like when you can choose a detour option, that's a dance task. And you don't know if it's one of those ones where you have to hit your feet exactly the right, the right millimeters apart on every step on every exact beat, or if you just have to look like you're having fun. It's, it's a mixed bag, you know? Yeah. And sometimes they don't always clarify like when they're doing something wrong to go with that example where they'll just say, that was not the proper dance or something really <laughs> vague, you know, or that scene was not correct like last week. And then sometimes they'll be like, needs more energy. So it's, again, it, it really does vary, but I agree here. I think this, in this particular case, it could have been, but again, we, we raised the question, like you, you bring up a good point about them being unpredictable, but maybe the show wanted them to work together and then create more drama. We don't know. We might be putting too much. Maybe a lot of times the show just says, we'll try this this time, see what happens, and then kind of go, oh, wow, this created more drama than we thought. This is great. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, that birdhouse task would have been pretty much a nothing burger if we didn't have that. It caused a lot of drama, and I think there's something to be said for that. But this also raises the question, Dan, of how could we how could we apply this same the same task judge disappointment to every task? this big this bath bomb was not the bomb <laughs> you got to say it though like in a very like you sometimes you more you see, gravitas when, yeah when they but sometimes when they have locals you can tell the guy last week was really trying to be serious like he was just the guy standing there in the motion capture and, we, and he did vary it up but he's like sometimes he'd be like that scene is okay <laughs> and they're like wait we're good what 
but then he would change it up. So I think they give them certain lines, but um, sometimes I like when they're being overly serious. Sometimes when they get really mean, but it could, it could vary a lot, you know? And um, I appreciate when they're more involved, the bath bombs that seem to be more like they're, they didn't really even say anything. It was the whole thing was just, then they got to drop them in and people got to act weird when the fizz appeared. Like who here has never done a bath bomb? <laughs> That they seem to they seem to be very excited about this. Like, were, were you all frozen in ice? Like, did you not? Have, have you really never done that? Or is this not a thing in Canada? Well, I mean, it is at that one place, I guess. <laughs> but I don't know. Overall, who's to say in Picton it's a big deal, I guess. I mean, you can't throw a rock in New York City without hitting a lush. So. <laughs> so what else should we discuss here? Um, let me see. Um, I, I think we, I think we agree with this viewpoint here, but I think it's, it's well phrased. So, uh, Chris Shuttlesworth says for the returning teams, I would have been good with them saying the last of the three teams to reach the keep racing checkpoint gets eliminated. It would have let them do some actual racing instead of getting cut on a scavenger hunt. And I tend to agree. Like, I think they should have gotten into competition with the other teams for a bit, like let them get back out on the field. We'd, the scavenger hunt was a little weak sauce. I agree. My thought was too. we talked about this last week was that um, eliminate them there and then have the other teams keep racing, but also just have them. If they even really wanted to use the miniature golf course, make it a speed bump, give each team a different clue or have them play a hole. So then the other teams feel like they got some edge. They did this when the two teams returned and they did this sort of in us, but they didn't show it. And so then at least, the odds are higher for the teams that are remaining that were, you know, mainly again, they just showed Beverly and Veronica being frustrated, but I'm sure other teams might've been is that you're more likely one of those three teams get eliminated, but you don't come out of it being like feeling bad for Tennyson to Ralph or making the trip back there and everything, or who knows, maybe they were just in quarantine and then went back there. So I agree. I think um, that would have made a lot of sense. I think the show got a little too excited about the, this has never happened before part of it instead of just thinking what would be the best just for, I don't know if I'd say fairness because there's a lot of luck involved in the race, but at least the appearance of it being they had a, all the teams had a chance, I guess. Yeah. You definitely don't want to penalize the teams that have never gotten eliminated. Right. I agree. Yeah. And Again, this might be one of those things where maybe this is just how things are now. Like maybe sometimes you got to sit out a couple of legs because you might have gotten COVID. And maybe from from now on, we're going to have to allow for this in the middle of things. It felt like the show had to scramble to find a way to reintroduce them into the narrative. And I'm kind of shocked that they that they did because they must have done this with like literal days if that to plan the task. So maybe we're not giving them enough credit here. Well, that's the thing. That's the one reason that I'm not as down on everything, even though for TV purposes, it was kind of like, uh, but I do feel like I'm sure it was super challenging for their production to get things back in order because they plan this well in advance. And granted, it's even more when you're going around the world, but even when you're in Canada, you still want to plan everything out. And I'm sure that they had some serious scrambling to do. I mean, I'm not sure. I don't know. But I'm guessing that that was the case given. And then to bring them back in. I mean, that's this is like we talked about. This is very different than the U.S. where they had that long break 
they were doing this on the fly. Maybe they took a little time, but they weren't taking like a huge amount of time, if anything, to get back on track. Yeah, they did not have time to track down and rent some giant cabbages. (laughs) So let me ask you this. I have kind of an opinion on this, but I don't know the answer, but I think I'm guessing what it is. Tristan Fernell asked on Facebook, uh, what would happen if the last place team were nominated? Or let's assume, let's say, for example, yeah, Beverly and Veronica were nominated and they got there actually after Cedric and Deshaun and there was no one behind them. I would guess I know what would happen, but I'm curious. What do you think? Well, I think it's one of two things. Um, One thing that I know happens in um, other countries prior to the face-off being a thing in Canada, it was called the double battle in, I think, Latin America and Israel. And with the double battle, when you were the last team and you got defeated, you had to sit there for 10 minutes before you moved on. And that could be one thing, like there could be a set penalty that you have to sit out. The other thing that could happen is absolutely freaking nothing. Like maybe it's just like, oh, there aren't any other teams coming. So you just keep moving on. My guess is because Canada has done this, too, because the last face off team always then has to wait. And it, I think it is like an hour last of like 10 minutes or 15 minutes or whatever. That's my guess. That's what they mm. would do is I guess that it would really be a yield. It would basically be the yield basically. Yeah. Happened. Yeah. And I think it gets away from it being a pass. If nobody can pass you, it's not a pass. So it's like you have passed on the pass and you can you can pass. I'm just going to use I'm going to use every iteration of the word pass. Yeah. Yeah. No. If you're the last person there and you get passed, you have to sit there forever. (laughs) Till next season when the racers come back. Yeah. Like John will come and get you until you you have to go home. At least you're at a microbrewery, you know, that that's something. Yeah, you should at least like maybe it's like if you're the last person there, you have to stay there as long as it takes you to chug a giant beer. Of course, bring it back. The thing we talked about the very first season we were podcasting. On. I, will, continued. <laughs> I will not rest until one of these episodes of Amazing Race Canada includes a beer chugging challenge. Well, we have a face off next week, but it's as far from that as possible because they're playing croquet, it looks like, or something similar. Um, so we are getting a face off next week with six teams, which makes sense. That is typically the number that they often will use, eight or six, because they want it to be an even number, but not not chugging a beer unless somehow they have to do it during that game. Yeah, but speaking of chugging beers, Dan, I think maybe now is the time for you to talk some more about this John Montgomery web series that you found. Yeah. So a few weeks ago, um, you know, I've watched a few of the like clips that they show Amazing Race Canada on YouTube. So YouTube's like, oh, the algorithm's like, oh, you like Amazing Race Canada. Here's a show that John Montgomery's doing. I was like, what? What is this? So this is a show called Brew Docking interesting name i'm not sure what i think of the name but basically it is a web series that john montgomery has been doing that will be coming out now and it they're like 10 minute episodes it's on the now the channel is go rv in canada <laughs> and basically that's the channel the channel only has a few thousand subscribers which makes me wonder about the budget for this because their budget for these are pretty decent i don't know where else these are being shown yeah four thousand two point four one k subscribers not that much but pretty well-produced short episodes. But basically the theory is John, he loves, he called himself Canada's like cultural ambassador or something in the beginning of each one. But basically John is going around in his RV camping 
and going to various areas in Canada, like all over the country, and stopping at microbreweries. And then he goes and he interviews them and he talks about, oh, they how they source from local farms and everything. It's like, a you know how John has like the commercial to farmers or even the little intros here? It's like the little intros that he might give. That's all it is. And so like he'll be an episode, he'll usually talk to two or three people each episode. And like one of them will be a microbrewery. One of them will be like last, there was one I went to, I watched where it was like a cheese place. And then one, he just went out and he was like, cooking the cheese and drinking the beer from the microbrewery camping while talking to someone who knows the area. So the thing about it is, is um, you would think, well, maybe this is a different John. Oh no, 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 no. <laughs> this is like cheesy, corny, happy John. Like he's like got this giant grin. He asked really like, so how does it feel to be awesome? Kind of questions. And John is so excited about when to get the chance to actually sit down and drink the beer. <laughs> oh man. He's so pumped. So I will say if you are, a fan of John Montgomery, and even if you're interested, especially if you're in Canada, interested in microbreweries, I mean, um, it's an easy watch. The episodes aren't even 10 minutes. They're like seven, eight minutes. They've had seven episodes so far. I think I've watched six so far, um, six of them. So just um, search for brew docking, all one word. It will come up. And I don't know. It's kind of fun. It's like, it, it's, to me, it feels like almost like a bonus feature, even though it has nothing to do with the Amazing Race Canada. I haven't really checked to see if any of the locations are the same. But I will say the the reason I thought of it more, too, is this Prince Eddie's brewery that they stopped at where John looks so excited and was carrying a beer while doing the intro to the task um, feels like the kind of places they would go. So there's kind of a connection there. I don't know if he actually goes there, but um, kind of fun if you're into John Montgomery. If you think he's a little much, probably not your thing. <laughs> Dan, this sounds like the kind of YouTube channel that could benefit from a beat bus style rehab bump. <laughs> So I feel like everybody needs to go there and subscribe to the channel and see if we can get those numbers up. I'm not even subscribed to it. I should probably subscribe. I just been watching. I just flagging the videos, but I'm going to subscribe right now. And then my daughter can be like, why did you subscribe to this RV channel and be very confused? But I have just subscribed. So it currently says 2.41 thousand. So it's like 2,410 or so. I want that up to 2.42. So I'm going to check out and see. So come on, everybody. We won't take that many. Yeah. You know what? I'm going in there right now. I'm going to subscribe <laughs> as well. Um, I'm going to first make sure I'm not logged on as my work YouTube account. <laughs> Go RV in Canada. Go RV in Canada. Okay. I'm subscribing. I have subscribed. So 2.41K subscribers. Let's get those numbers up, people. Look them up, uh, subscribe, watch Brew Docking, and get back to us. Maybe we need to do some extra podcast coverage or something like that. Maybe John will come on just to talk about that. Oh, my gosh. You know, it's been a minute since we've talked to John. I think I, I interviewed him around season three. And maybe maybe we're due for another maybe we're due for another John Montgomery interview. Maybe I'll I'll try to make this happen. Well, especially you can ask him about this season, but really, if you present it, though, like, really, you want to talk about him driving the RV? Oh, I, I think your chances are good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it, it was not hard to get him the last time. I, I, granted, the show has gotten more popular over the years. He might be I, he might big time us, but I kind of suspect if I if I reach out to the right people, maybe we can get that to happen. And with or without the beer. Excellent. Yes. <laughs> You just um, we're just gonna have a beer and talk to you about the Razor Race Canada. It's like you had me a beer. <laughs> <laughs>
Um, are there any more questions we have to answer about this this episode? Um, I there was one that I think raised an interesting point. I want to see what your thought is on this, Dan. So uh, Veronique on Facebook asked us, didn't the recap of the previous episode totally spoil who would be eliminated? One of the teams anyway. They did so good last leg. What will happen to them on this leg? I can't say I remember Tarkan being so obvious before. What do you think? Well, I think she's referring. I meant to look back and watch the recap again. I apologize for not doing that. But Cedric and Deshaun, I believe, is the team we're referencing. Because in the re- in the preview, oh, actually, the recap. I'm sorry. I was thinking about the preview. But last week in the preview, they also showed them getting upset this week. But yeah, in the recap, they were like, they got their third place, their best ever. And I don't know. I feel like sometimes that's a setup. It can be a setup for a variety of things. Because they didn't make it. Oh, yeah. It's totally... Uh, telegraphing it however sometimes when they do that then they finish first this week and it's like the start of like a narrative upward so i feel like you know because like you'll see this on most reality tv where all of a sudden i'm like why is the recap talking so much about that person that person hasn't really been shown for three episodes and then they get eliminated yes so but this is a case where it was a little odd that they made such a big deal about them finishing third in the previously on. So I do think in this case, they were a little too, um, too obvious about it. They weren't with Cassie and Jameek, but in this case they were. But again, I might be being a little results oriented because sometimes they throw us kind of, uh, they, they, they make kind of, they, it's like a smoke screen. Like they do it in a different way than you expect. Yeah, I think you're right, Dan. It's, it's like the, you know, what we call the PSB, the personal story bump. It's the same thing. You get up top of the episode and somebody's talking about, here's what my life is like back home and here's why I'm running the race. That's like either we are setting you up to win the whole thing or you are going out this episode. And especially if it's a team you haven't heard from at all. And all of a sudden we're talking about their personal lives. That's not a good sign. Yeah, we didn't really see. The thing is, they didn't show that much of them. But I feel like, again, this episode we didn't really get any new personal stories from any of the teams, at least. I mean, beyond the ones that were focused on the task, like, oh, we've learned, you know, we've learned how to do sign language or whatnot. But we didn't have that. But I agree that um, that's even more of it, especially in that like first, like, you know, when they leave the pit stop and they're in the car and sometimes they'll do the thing where it's like you go through each team and they all say, we're really getting along well as a team. Blah, blah. If one of the teams there then says, yeah, we're doing this for my brother who, um, <laughs> you know, or, or my mom. Oh, I'm. It's, yeah, it's either, you know, they get to the first and then they're like, this one's for you, Joe, or whatever. Or unfortunately, they finish last and it's like heartbreaking. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that brings us to the end of the program, Dan. Uh, I think we've covered everything we wanted to cover this week and then some. And we've gone on a couple of wild tangents to boot. Yes, I've I've enjoyed it very much. Like always, uh, <laughs> I'm just thinking about brew docking now. That's all I'm thinking about. It's like bumping up their channel. But really, I'm curious. You know, the thing about it is, I feel like there's been a little bit of weirdness with teams coming back and teams getting eliminated. But I think with this double elimination now, with the six and with maybe being one more non-elimination, but we're likely set up. I think for a pretty good finish. I think we have the teams we need to. And it's no offense because. Team Dan, oh, but we got teams we need, and I think we're in store for a good finish. Yep, agreed. I think we're 
all the ingredients are there. Let's see if they get packed together into the explosive bath bomb that we want to have happen. Yes, for sure. And um, I'm excited to see where it goes and for some triumphant wins for the teams that I'm rooting for. Yeah, good stuff. So, Dan, what else is happening in your world? Well, I should mention that um, I host a podcast about theme parks called Tomorrow's Society Podcast. My last show was actually about a VR mini golf game, which a Disney Imagineer, Don Carson's working on, which was themed to the movie Labyrinth. Oh, my gosh. It looks crazy, Jess. But that's the latest episode. Go to TomorrowSociety.com to learn more. I, I need to know more about this. Um, <laughs> Walk about mini golf. It, they're doing crazy stuff. If ever a property was crying out to be mini golf, it's Labyrinth. <laughs> For I, sure. Yes. Um, yeah. And I've got many interesting things coming up. We are back on the Walking Dead train. Choo choo over at Post Show Recaps. Um, I was out this past week to talk about the first two episodes of Tales of the Walking Dead, but you can rest assured I will not make that mistake again. I will be catching up with Chappelle and AJ and Josh to talk about the next two episodes of Tales of the Walking Dead. Spoiler alert, I've seen four of the six episodes that'll be dropping as part of this mini season, and we're coming up on my favorite, and I'm going to be very excited to talk about it, about it with them. And then I just, uh, AMC just dropped the screeners for the first two episodes of the upcoming season or season third. I don't know. Walking Dead does this weirdly. Um, so the final, final season portion of Walking Dead, the final new episodes we're ever going to get, the first two of those are out for press screeners and will be dropping for the general public very, very soon. So that has crept up on me, much like the zombies creep up on the humans in that show. Um, but very excited to be doing that. And I wanted to address, um, I know that we have lots of amazing race news out there in the world this past, these past two weeks. We got cast announcements for two franchises. Um, we got U.S. and Australia and Australia premieres this coming Monday, Dan. Um, and we've had a lot of people ask if we're going to do some kind of coverage. And I think probably not to start out, but we want to. We want to be watching it and keeping up with it, and we will let you know later in the season like what that's looking like for us. Um, we also want to find an actual Australian to talk about it, because I know it is one of the pain points of this particular corner of the universe that we don't get people from the country. Yeah, and um, I, I would love to. I, I'm amazed. I'm just like, oh, shoot, I need to like get ready to watch this. <laughs> <laughs> with Australia, but I think it's going to be really fun. I just to see, I just need to catch up really quickly. Yeah. When it starts, it's going to start. And all of a sudden, if I don't stay with it, I'll never catch up. Yeah. Like Amazing Race Australia is, you know, there's 96 episodes. They're going to go to 32 countries and there are 162 teams. So if you don't watch it every time it drops, you are going to get behind real fast. Yeah, because the last one time, the last season, it was a little more still like um, there was a little less going on in the world, even when it came out. So I remember being like, I can watch all these episodes. This is easy. Where this year, it's like it's a little busier, not completely. I'm not saying going to say back to normal, but things are a little busier. So I have to try a little harder, I think. Yeah, it's going to be it's you have to make that appointment television. If you don't make the appointment, it's not happening. For sure. For sure. So. We also wanted to let you know that 
just about every show you watch on television, scripted or unscripted, probably somewhere in our network, there is something for you out there. And we don't just cover TV. So we wanted to tell you about one other particular show that's coming out um, that is on our network. It is not coming out. It is out and it is out there and it's wonderful. Dan, tell us about that show. Sure. Well, the show is Pod Friends, which if you heard Chantel last week, she was actually a guest on that. But this is Pod Friends, hosted by Matt Scott, features real human conversations with the people of RHAP, podcasters, community members included. Pod Friends is now in its second season. We've heard from Teresa T. Bird Cooper. Oh, my goodness. Grace Leader, Shannon Gus and more. Watch or listen to go behind the mic and learn more about RHAP podcasters and the people far beyond the shows we all watch and love. Go to robiswebsite.com slash podfriendsfeed to subscribe and join these conversations. The episodes I've heard are amazing, Jess. It's a really cool show. Yeah, Podfriends is one of those ones that it drops in my feed and I push it to the top of the queue every time because I love getting to know all the other podcasters. And of course, our network has grown so much in the last couple of years that I don't know everybody as well as I used to. So it's great to have the chance to kind of get to know people, especially from corners of the network that are like maybe people who cover shows I don't watch. Like, honestly, some of my favorite people on the network cover Big Brother, but I'm not going to be watching the show and I'm probably not going to be listening to most of their podcasts. So it's nice to get to know them on another level. Yeah. And Sarah also was on, too, who um, from Australia. And um, that that was a cool episode, too. Yeah, I loved I loved Sarah's episode. That was that was really great. Uh, so, yeah, Dan, I think that brings us to the end end of our program. One more thing you can do to support us. Um, if you like what you're hearing and you want to help us keep the lights on, you can always join us on Patreon.com and support us. And your monthly donation gets you access to all kinds of extra podcasts, access to a patron-only Facebook group. We have a Discord. We have... We have a great community of people. And once you join Patreon, I think it really makes you feel like I like you're a bigger part of the community and you're part of something really special and big. And some people like we've had actual marriages come out of that patron group. Um, I'm not saying you will meet your spouse if you join, but you probably will make some good friends and who knows where it'll where it'll go from there. So, you know, rapidspodcast.com slash Patreon to get all the details about that. Uh, we also if you don't have the means or you just don't feel like it another thing you can do for us is you know subscribe you subscribe to the amazing race feed you can subscribe to the reality tv wrap ups feed we are in both and you can also leave us a review in either place on the podcatcher of your choice that helps other people find the podcast and grows this giant beast that is our listenership i'm sorry i didn't mean to call you a giant beast i love you all you're, you're great people. And I appreciate listening. Um, appreciate you listening. I appreciate everybody who does work behind the scenes, such as Scott and Chelsea and Sam. And thanks to Rob for letting us be on the air. Thanks to Dan for being my co-host with all of this. Thanks again to all of you for listening. And we'll see you next week. It is Ryan here. And I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. It's time for today's Lucky Land horoscope with Victoria Cash. 
Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.